So let's um, pray. Father God, please speak to us through your word and your Holy Spirit. Please change our minds, our hearts, and how we live. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me be honest. I don't like weakness. I don't like getting sick. I don't like growing old and I like to be in control. Now, growing up, I thought I had it all together. I did not boast publicly, but privately, I was proud of it and would look down sometimes on others who I saw as weak. A significant experience of my own weakness and vulnerability occurred when I was 23 years old. I'd moved to the USA to study for a PhD, and it was my first time of living away from home. But within three months, I'd burnt myself out evangelizing other international students. It was a long road to recovery. I was weak physically, emotionally, and mentally. For the next four years, I would have periods of several weeks where I'd been a black cloud and I couldn't work. I wasn't in control of my thoughts and I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't know that I was actually suffering from a clinical depression and that with professional help, I could experience some he healing. Now, since then, I've had several major relapses about once a decade. Now, as I've struggled with my mental health, I've slowly learned to understand it through the lens of the Bible and through the lens of science and practically how to manage my mental health. Now, as I've been public about my struggles, both at, in university and church circles, I've had many opportunity to walk with others in this struggle, and so I'm delighted that we're going to address this in the Village Academy. Now, um, tonight, I'm going to look at that Bible passage and some others from 1 and 2 Corinthians, and some of you may have been doing the church Bible reading series, and so you will have dipped into some of these passages in the last few weeks. And so, there are some themes that will come out, come through again and again in these passages. The first is that the cross of Christ embodies the wisdom of weakness. And the cross is countercultural. It was countercultural then, and it is countercultural now. And it's not just that we're saved by the cross. It's also that the church life is to be shaped by the weakness of the cross. And so we should delight in our weakness, as hard as that is, and that means being vulnerable with one another. But there's a paradox here, because there wasn't just the cross, there was the resurrection, 
and there's the paradox of power through weakness. And so the Bible reading we had was about how the gospel message that Paul preached was centred on the cross of Christ and this was foolishness to the culture of the Corinthian readers. And let's see why. And so it's good to understand some of the background and context about the power of crucifixion. Crucifixion was a brutal public demonstration of Roman imperial power. It was torture in public. It involved the public humiliation of the victims. It was a means of political control and maintaining so-called law and order. Crucifixion sent a clear and terrifying message. Rome is in control. You rebel against the power of Rome and this is what will happen to you. So kings don't get crucified. A crucified king makes no sense and a crucified God is foolish. And so let's look at the weakness of the crucified King Jesus. And so I'll just read the, the passage from Mark 15 that recounts the crucifixion of Jesus and how he was mocked for his weakness. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. So a crucified God makes no sense and Jesus' weakness was foolish. And Jesus should be despised and not worshipped. And so I find it helpful to, again, some more context, and that's to look at some Roman graffiti from about 200 AD. And this was discovered in 1857 in a house near the, Ro the, the Roman um, Empire's the Roman imperial residence. And what in the graffiti is, it shows a Roman soldier who's worshipping a man on a cross, but the man has a donkey's head. The donkey symbolises stupidity, and so worship, and it's the inscription is, Alex, Alex Minos, the soldier, worships his god. So... A crucified God makes no sense and Jesus' weakness on the cross was foolish. And so let's go back and look at what Paul says to the Corinthians about the cross of Christ. 
for the word of God is foolishness to those who are perishing, but is the power of God to us who are being saved, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and I will set aside the intelligence of the intelligence. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? For since in God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. And so a weak saviour was countercultural. The message of the cross contradicted the wisdom of the world. So what was the wisdom of the Greeks? What was the wisdom of the philosophers? Well, Plato and Aristotle were two of the greatest philosophers ever, who've left a significant intellectual foundation that should be appreciated. But both of them argued that the offspring of the inferior and those born defective should be secretly disposed of. Weakness was to be despised and eliminated from society. And so that's the background for the Corinthians when we see the wisdom of a weak saviour. For the Jews ask for signs and the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God because God's foolishness is wiser than, than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Now, Jesus' own weakness was a stumbling block to his own disciples. And like other Jews of their time, they had preconceived ideas about the Messiah thinking he would be a powerful king who would humiliate their enemies, liberating Israel from Roman occupation and oppression. Instead, Jesus says himself that he will suffer and die on a cross. And the message of the cross was countercultural to both Jews and Greeks then in the first century. But 2,000 years later, on the other side of the planet, the message is still countercultural. Because today, people will make many intellectual objections to the gospel. Now, one is that you can't accept both science and the gospel of Jesus. Now, I would love to debunk that with you now, but I want to focus instead on some different aspects of our culture that really conflict with what the Bible says about weakness. Because our culture values success, achievement, efficiency, self-promotion, competition, merit, health, wealth, 
comfort, luxury, physical appearance, upward mobility, power, and so on. But these values are not to determine our identity, the identity of a Christian, or the values that should shape the church. And so that's why we look at the second part of the passage and to see how the early church was also countercultural. So, brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. So what about village church? Well, some of us are from privileged backgrounds. Some of us have a PhD, but some of us didn't finish high school. Some of us may be professionally successful, but some of us survive on Centrelink. Some of us are financially prosperous, but some of us are socially awkward. Some of us have fragile marriages, but some of us will never marry. Some of us will never have children. Some of us are divorced, and some of us have mental or physical disabilities. And some of us have chronic health problems and some of us struggle with mental illness. And some of these struggles will continue for the rest of our lives, even though we're Christians and God is working in our lives. But God has chosen what is weak in the world. Now, despite our differences concerning our backgrounds and circumstances, we have much more important things in common. First, we are all made in the image of God. We are all sinners. None of us can save ourselves. But we have all been saved by the grace and mercy of God through the weakness and foolishness of the cross. So we're all weak and we all belong here in the church of Jesus Christ. So the church is to embody weakness because God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something so that no one may boast in his presence. It's from him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become the wisdom of God for us, our righteousness, sanctification and redemption in order that is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. I love that song that we sang earlier about that. So the church is to embody 
weakness. And so I want to explore that a little. How do we do that? Well, first by preaching the foolishness of a crucified saviour, but also living out the weakness of the cross. And so who does belong in church? And who is important in church? And how is church to be countercultural? Well, this is where it's helpful to skip forward to 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul presents this image of the body of Christ being like church. And the body has many parts, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And some translations, it's those parts of the body that seem to be weaker. So, and then it goes on to say how we should have this concern for one another. And verse 26, so if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honoured, all the members rejoice with it. So we are all weak and we're all just as important. And so we need to be aware, beware of individualism and competition. And particularly, the church is to be countercultural. The strong, so strong, need the weak, and it's not us and them, or them and us, it's us and us. We're all weak, we're just weak in different ways. And so those of us who have problems and struggles, such as mental illness, we shouldn't be seen as a drain on church resources or a distraction from the important work of evangelism and Bible teaching. Because Jesus says they will know we are Christians by our love for one another. So that's why what the um, Village Academy will be all about. But what does the wisdom of weakness change? Well, one thing is, what image of ourselves do we project to others? This is a different way of saying, what do we boast about? What defines our identity and what do we delight in? And so, I just want to... Um, read um, uh, an account from one American pastor who admits how slow he was to learn that weakness is central to ministry and to church life. And he goes and talks about how in preparing to be a leader, he had a lot of formal and informal training, but he missed the most important pathway to spiritual authority and leadership, and that was brokenness and weakness. And he says, some of us build our lives in ways 
that cover up how damaged, cracked, fractured, frail, limited and imperfect we are. That's what I did for years. For a brief time, I travelled around the USA and spoke at church growth conferences. And I focused on what our church was successful at and particularly what I did right. However, I glossed over disappointments and setbacks both personally and in the church. As I would later understand, focusing on my success was my tool to avoid looking at honestly at how damaged, cracked, imperfect and limited I really was. And then this is how he concludes. He says, in emotionally healthy churches, people live and lead out of brokenness and vulnerability. They understand that leadership in the kingdom of God is from the bottom up, not a grasping, controlling or lording over others. It's leading out of failure and pain, questions and struggles, a serving that lets go. It is a noticeably different way of life from what is commonly modelled in the world and unfortunately in many churches. Now, being vulnerable means being transparent about our own weaknesses, failures and struggles. Now, on the one hand, it's not appropriate to disclose all the details to everyone and in all contexts. But on the other hand, we shouldn't always be hiding our weakness and projecting an image of success. And we shouldn't expect our leaders to have it all together or for everything that happens at church to be a smashing success. So now I just want to, moving towards the end, um, go to the, the last verse in the Bible reading, which was, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. I love this verse. It's taken from Jeremiah 9, and it's worth reading the whole passage. This is what the Lord says, the wise man should not boast in his wisdom. The strong should not boast in his strength. The wealthy should not boast in his wealth. But the one who boasts should boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord showing faithful love, justice and righteousness on the earth, for I delight in these things. This is the Lord's declaration. But... What do we boast about? What do we delight in? Well, what really matters to us? What do we like to talk about, think about? What do we post on social media? What kind of church do we want to be a part of us? And some of us feel unworthy and embarrassed because we're not successful in worldly terms. When we look at social media, do we feel inadequate as we compare ourselves to others? 
So the final passage from Corinthians I want to look at looks at this power, the paradox of the power through weakness. Because in the cross of Christ, God's wisdom was greater than human strength and there was a resurrection. Now, Paul talks about his own struggles but says, God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is perfected in weakness. And so he can delight in his weaknesses for when he is weak, then he is strong. Well, did God choose the weak to shame the strong? Did God choose that weak Corinthian church to shame the Roman Empire? So what did happen to that glorious and mighty Roman Empire? Well, it doesn't exist anymore. All that remains is some ruins in building and which are a tourist attraction. And that's just near where that graffiti was that mocked the worship of a God who was foolish enough to be crucified. So let's look at some worldly wisdom from today from a leading academic. So Rodney Stark is a distinguished sociologist and he's not a Christian, but in 1996 he published a book called The Rise of Christianity. Now I want to emphasize the subtitle of the book because it says it all. How the obscure marginal Jesus movement became the dominant religious force in the Western world in a few centuries. And so he uses social science methods and historical um, records to examine the factors that led to the dramatic growth of the, the early church. And the common thing he finds is the, the, the role of weakness the role of women, who were definitely marginalised then, caring for the sick in epidemics and for martyrdom and for various urban chaos and crises. And I just want to end with, um, though, what he says at the end of the book, and he says, the ultimate factor in the rise of Christianity is that there were certain central doctrines of Christianity that prompted and sustained attractive, liberating and effective social relations and organisations. And it was these doctrines that took on actual flesh that led to the rise of Christianity. And so, God chose the weak to shame the strong. So let um, me recap. The cross of Christ embodies the wisdom of weakness. It's countercultural then and now, and now church life should be shaped by the weakness of the cross. We should delight in our weakness as hard as that is and be vulnerable with one another. But there is this paradox of power 
through weakness. And so how do we live out this godly wisdom of weakness together? Well, with our head, what do we think? The gospel's all about weakness. We are all weak. We all belong here. And our heart, what do we delight in? Do we delight in our weakness, in the justice and righteousness of God, or in worldly strength or success? And with our hands, so head, heart, and hands, is what will we do, care for one another, especially for the vulnerable and marginalised? So I'm going to pray now. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you for the cross that saves us, even though in the world's eye it's weak and foolish. And help us as a church to embrace our weakness, knowing that through it you can show your incredible power and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.